The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Well, good morning, everybody. It's an honor to be here. It's always an honor to be here at First Baptist Conyers with you uh, back in my hometown. My name is Tom Covington. I'm filling in for Pastor Jamo as he is in Mexico uh, celebrating the birth of the birth. Celebrating the wedding of his son Noah. So uh, I know you pray for them and for his family. They have safe travels and they got there safe. Pray for them coming back safe. But again, it's always just such an honor and privilege to be here with you guys. I'm so blessed to have the Hammonds lead us in worship. I'm a little jealous. Amen. Listen, they play everything, and I struggled to get the Bluetooth connected in my car. So, and like they're up here switching instruments. It was amazing. Uh, Let's take a minute before we even delve into God's Word this morning. You know, it's been a chaotic few days for everybody, for our world and our nation. Let's just take, let's take a minute, let's take a pause, and let's pray uh, as we get ready to dig into the Lord's Word this morning. Father, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for the fact that even in scary times, even when we're dealing with viruses and pandemics throughout the world and now in our nation, Lord, that we can come together. And Lord, for those who are joining us online, we thank you that there's that option. Lord, for those that can join that way, for those of us that are here, Father. And Lord, we come with anxieties and concerns this morning. And Father, those those we need your comfort and your peace to help us and to comfort us during those. But Lord, we know that this is so true of every day of our lives that we live in this world that is broken by sin. That Father, there's a lot of things that cause us anxiety and fear and worry. And we always need your comfort. Certainly, especially during this time of crisis in our nation, Lord, but every day in the days of crisis and trouble and trials that we face in our lives. So Lord, I pray this morning that you'd calm the fears and anxieties we've come in with, that you'd set those aside and help us to clearly hear from your word about how you speak to us and what you have to say to us, Lord, and how you're reaching out to us through your word about when we go through times of trials and how, as the song said, our, our hearts don't need to be downcast because we can trust in you. Lord, thank you for this morning, this time of worship together. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Do you ever have a moment that you feel like life is just going perfect? Aren't those nice days? The days when life is just great. The sun is shining for more than one day in a row here in Georgia. You know, the sun is shining and things are just, man, things are working good. You're getting good reviews at work. The stock market's up. Your friends like you, your neighbor's not dumping leaves over the fence onto your yard. Things are going good. And then out of nowhere, the Mack truck of life comes along and just smacks right into you. You ever had those days? You have those days where, man, everything is just rocking and rolling. It's going along. And you get that email from your boss that says, hey, can, can you pop into my office at 4 o'clock on a Friday? And you say, no, I can't. I just can't. You get those things, or you go to the doctor's visit for just that normal test, that routine checkup that you're supposed to go get, and the doctor takes a little longer than normal to come back in, and they've got that concerned look in their face when they come in. 
Or maybe you get that phone call from the nursing home about your mom or dad and they've taken a turn or they've fallen or they're struggling. Or maybe you just look at your bank account and you think there's a whole lot more going out than there is coming in. See, all of those examples I've pulled and shared this morning are things I've seen just in perusing social media this week of things that people have dealt with, people that I know, people that I'm friends with and acquainted with in life have dealt with. And I imagine most of those things ring true for at least most of us in here. That there are days in life that just something comes up. We are just happy and we're going along and getting along and then something comes out of nowhere. Maybe it was Friday morning when you were trying to find toilet paper. Maybe that was when the Mack truck of life hit you and you wondered where the Purell was and why somebody was on Facebook Marketplace selling hand sanitizer for $99. Right? For some of you, it was the moment of sheer terror you had on Friday afternoon when you found out you're going to be a homeschooling parent for the next two weeks, right? Those of us who have been there can give you advice, right, David? Our wives probably, me and David, not so much. But you know what? Life throws us curveballs, and I certainly don't in any way mean to make light of what we're going through as a nation, but it's, it's an example of what happens where we just think things are running along, and all of a sudden, this thing comes out of nowhere and takes over our lives. Jam, Pastor Jamo and I were talking about getting ready for this Sunday, and he said, what are you going to preach on? I said, well, you know, uh, my family's been going through a, a trial, a time of, of trial lately, and I thought I'd share about that. He said, hey, brother, go ahead. Go with that. I had no idea that on Friday I'd get a text from David Hammonds that said, we're not even sure if we're having church or not. And that as a nation, we'd come to this weekend going through times of trials and times of attack and those things that we just don't know how to deal with. And in those times of life, the best place to go is to the Word of God. That's where we find our comfort. That's where we find our strength. So this morning, I've titled my sermon, Even If, and you're going to see why in a little bit. But I want to take you to the Old Testament book of Daniel, the third chapter of the book of Daniel. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but it's, it's a story that's very familiar probably to most of us. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know you all considered naming your children some of those names when you had them. Anybody remember the Veggie Tales, Rack, Shack, and Benny? My kid, yes, yeah, see, Rack, Shack, and Benny. Some of you remember it that way. Uh, I tried not to use, I kept thinking of those names as I was preparing for this morning. But let me talk you through the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We come to the book of Daniel, and the nation of Babylon has invaded Israel. They've taken captive some of the youth of Israel, and what the the plan was what nations would do is when they would come in, they would take over and they would take some of the most prominent, the healthy, the athletic, the intelligent young people. They'd take them to the, to the capture, the invading nation would take them and they wouldn't treat them like slaves, but they would start to indoctrinate them to their belief system and their way of government, their way of religion. They'd try and essentially not just take over a nation, but spread their ideas and their ideals to the people they conquered. So Babylon's come in, they've attacked Israel, and they've taken many of the Israelite youth to captivity, and then they've given them jobs, and they've trained them. And three of them are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know also Daniel, the book of Daniel, uh, is named for Daniel. We know that Daniel also went through a period of trial there. But we're looking this morning in chapter 3 at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and a moment that they come 
to a moment of trial. So the examples I started us out with this morning, let's take those with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they come, they show up to work one Monday morning. Let's think of it a little bit of terms maybe we can understand. They show up for work one Monday morning there in Daniel chapter 3. And the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has created this massive golden idol. Uh, it's 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. Some of you remember from Sunday school, a cubit goes from your elbow to the tip of your middle finger. I never knew how that worked because we all have different length arms. So I don't really know how that, uh, you got anything built back in the old days. But essentially this statue, let's convert it. It's 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they show up for work on Monday morning. And the king, their boss, has erected this massive golden statue. And that would be a little odd if you showed up to work on Monday morning. If, if you know, David got to work one Monday and Jamo had a 100-foot statue of himself out front, that would be a little odd. Um, the deacons might want to ask some questions at that point. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they show up for work. There's this massive golden statue. And King Nebuchadnezzar gets all of the people of the, the leaders of the nation, the politicians, the bureaucrats, all of these people. He gathers them together around this golden idol. And you know how the story goes, most likely. And he says, when the music plays, you bow down and worship this idol. Okay, so things have gotten out of hand at work on a Monday morning. There's a giant statue. They're told to bow down and worship it. And the music plays, and like in most workplaces, people just go along. People are like, okay, the boss wants this, we're just going to do it. They bow down, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they know it's forbidden by the Lord to worship a false idol, to worship a golden image. So they don't bow down, and of course some of their co-workers get mad about that, and they go to King Nebuchadnezzar and they say, oh king, uh, three of the, the Israelites, they're, they're not following the rules, they're not bowing down to the idol. And so the king gets angry and he has them brought before him, and he says, is this true? Are you are you're not doing this? And he says, you know what, look guys, I'm in a good mood this morning, I've got a giant statue made in my image up here. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. We're going to play the music again. We're going to hit the play button. And if you don't bow down this time, you're going to be burned alive. We're going to take you to the fiery furnace, this literally just raging fire. We're going to drop you into it. And that brings us to Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. I want to, I want to read those to you. So they're in this confrontation with the king. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. So, I mean, they're starting off great with their boss at this point. We don't even have to answer you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then verse 18, you'll find the title to today's sermon. But even if he does not. So they said, look, Nebuchadnezzar, God can deliver us. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So, of course, they confront him. They tell him this. He plays the music. They don't bow down. And you know how the story goes. They're bound up. They're tied up. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. The furnace is actually so hot that it kills the men who throw them into the furnace. They're thrown into the furnace, and all of a sudden, as Nebuchadnezzar is watching, he looks at one of his assistants, and what does he say? Didn't we throw three guys into the fire? And they said, yes. He said, why do I see four? And the fourth one 
looks like the son of God. And he calls out to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, come out of the fire. And these guys just stroll out of the burning furnace. They don't smell like smoke. Their clothes aren't singed because God has been with them and protected them through that fiery furnace, through that moment of trial. It's an incredible Old Testament story. It's an incredible moment of God's deliverance and provision when his children obeyed him. And I want to break with Baptist tradition this morning. I want to give you four points, not three. Will that be okay? We can do four. The first point I want to share with you this morning is this. In life, trials and attacks are going to come. I promise we get better from here. It gets more encouraging after this, okay? But in, in life, those things are going to happen. We're dealing with this morning in our nation the coronavirus. We're dealing with something that for many of us, we've never dealt with anything like this in our, in our history. None of us are, are used to this. We're not used to going to the store and not being able to buy things like toilet paper or things like that. And that's a national trial we're facing. But think about the trials you face this week. Anybody go to work and just have a really rough week? Anybody go to work and you just think, I can't put up with that boss for one more day? Anybody go to work and face a moment that you were asked to do something you knew was unethical and you knew that your job was on the line if you didn't do it? You knew that it would just be so easy to not do that, but you knew that God, you knew it'd be so easy to just do that thing you were asked to do, but you knew God forbid it. See, we have these trials and these attacks, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, your work life, your family life. Listen, I know this may come as a shock to some of you this morning, but families don't always get along, right? Anybody have those moments? Anybody have those struggles in your family, those trials? Teenagers, don't raise your hand if that trial is with your sibling. I'm trying not to look at where my kids are sitting right now. But we have those moments in life. We have these things that we just don't expect. In my life, as JMO and I were talking, getting ready for it, I was sharing with him about what my family's been going through late. And I said, you know what? It just came out of nowhere. You have those moments in life where a trusted friend betrays you. Somebody that you thought you could count on turns their back on you and isn't there for you. Somebody that you thought would always tell you the truth doesn't do that. Or those times in life that somebody that you just knew that person you could count on and you need to count on them and they're not there. And how much harder is it when it's our fellow Christians, it's our fellow Jesus followers, the people we should be able to rely on. I think this first point is probably the one we can all understand the most because life is tough, right? Life is hard here on earth because we live in a broken, sinful world. We live in a world where viruses attack. We live in a world where we have struggles just to make it through the day. We have conflicts with our neighbors. Have you ever been in a moment in your life you end up in a conflict with somebody and you look back and you just think, I don't even know how we got here. You ever had those moments where you think, how did we even end up at odds with one another? And the, the train is so far down the tracks that it's almost impossible to stop it and to get it back. But those things are going to come. You're going to face challenges in your life. When you choose to follow Jesus, you're going to face the moments where somebody says to you, hey, that's not loving to be that way. It's not loving to believe that. You need to believe this way. And your beliefs are not tolerant. Your beliefs are excluding others and you're hurting people by what you believe. And those attacks are going to come that way. Because so often in life, the attacks that we face, they don't look like attacks up front, do they? It looks like somebody that wants us to be more loving and kinder, but the attacks 
come. The second point I'd share with you this morning is that we, we know the attacks are going to come, and when they come, God requires our obedience. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the attack of bowing down to an idol, of instead of worshiping the one true God, worshiping Nebuchadnezzar's false god, the golden idol, he had built this 90-foot-tall statue. And even though it meant that death was promised to them if they didn't obey, God still required them to be obedient. And for us, when the attacks in life come, we are still required by the Lord to be obedient to what he calls us to do. Now, let's be human with each other. Let's be real. I know we're all dressed up for church Sunday morning. We all are great and, and we're, we're doing good this morning. Don't you ever have a moment in life when that trial comes and you just want to not be Christian for a minute? Yeah. Amen. Okay, see, that's good. All right, we're honest. Don't lie in church because God knows you do. You know, that coworker has just pushed you for the last time and you're like, Lord, can I take my Jesus hat off for a minute? Right? Lord, hold my Jesus hat for just a second. Let me say what I need to say. Right? That boss who has just pushed you over the line time and again, you're like, just give me five minutes behind the building and we can fix this. Right? We're honest. We're all human. We are all sinful, imperfect people. We have those moments that we'd like to not obey. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they do such a good job in their confrontation with Nebuchadnezzar by just steadfastly refusing to give in. But just in my flesh, if I'm honest, this Sunday morning, standing up here in front of you, there are days I just want to not be Christian for about five minutes, and I could take care of a lot of stuff in life, right? But that's not what the Lord calls us to do. There's an alternate temptation we have, though, isn't it? It's just to, to give in. Listen, how easy would it have been for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just to bow? It's what, 10 seconds? The music plays, you bow down. There's thousands of people out there by the statue. Just, just go along to get along. Hey, nobody's going to know. We still love God. We just Listen, we'll just bow down. No reason to get killed. Hey, if, if I do this and I give in, I can, I can be a better witness to other people, right? We use that one sometimes. They could have so easily given in. There are times we're tempted to fight back. We're tempted to take off our Jesus hat and just fight back. And there's other times the temptation is just to give in, right? It's just to make, hey, it's not worth standing up. Just, just tweak those numbers on that report. I know it's not true, but hey, uh, it'll get us some more business at work. Or, you know, just, just lie on this report because it, it's okay. Everybody's doing it. But God calls us to a different standard. God calls us to the standard where... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, God will deliver us. But then they said an odd next phrase, didn't they? But even if he doesn't, they were fully confident in God's ability to deliver them. And they said, but our obedience isn't dependent on that deliverance. Our obedience to God cannot be dependent on what we're going to get for it, right? Our obedience to God can't happen only if we're promised things are going to work out in the end. Because see, here's the thing. In a broken, sinful world where sinful people interact with one another, things don't always work out right. We can do our very best of following God. We can do everything right and things not work out in the end. 
But God's way more concerned with whether we're willing to obey him and follow him than what we think we're going to get out of it in the end. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before King Nebuchadnezzar and they said, even if God does not deliver us, we're not bowing. And that's what God calls us as believers to today, is no matter what the outcome, not to bow, not to bend, but to be obedient. So the attacks are going to come, number one. Obedience is required, number two. I know it just gets more and more encouraging. I promise when we get to point four, it's really encouraging. Number three, deliverance is not guaranteed. I told you it's three really discouraging points and then one really great one. Deliverance is not guaranteed. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood that. They understood that by refusing to bow down when the music played, they may very well be thrown into the fiery furnace. And the story, when we get to that point of the story in Daniel chapter 3, it's not a Hollywood ending, right? They don't stand up to the king and say, we won't bow. And then the music plays and the king goes, oh man, I was so wrong. Yeah, you guys are right. It's not a 90-minute Hollywood ending. He's angry to begin with. They refuse to bow the second time and he's really angry, right? He's like all three of your names parent angry at this point. And he says, throw him in. He has the fire made hotter, seven times hotter than normal. It's so hot that the men that carry them to the furnace die. They're not delivered, right? They're not delivered just by standing up and having that courageous speech. They have that amazing speech, even if, King, we will not worship the golden idol. He goes, okay, you're dead, right? It's not the Hollywood ending at that point, but they're thrown in. But then it comes, right? Then it comes when they're thrown into the fire and the king has to start doing some math about how many people should be in that fire. And he says, there's one too many. And what I'm saying to you this morning in our third point about deliverance not being promised is the fact of the matter is when you follow Jesus, it may mean that that deliverance doesn't come in this world. Many, many godly, amazing saints of the Lord have lived lives that were from the beginning of their walk with Christ to the end of their life here on earth were lives of trial. We love the stories with the happy endings, right? Listen, uh, some of you here, you remember, anybody remember the movie The Great Escape? Great Escape, World War II movie? Yeah, the men are nodding. Okay, yeah, there's a reason. Man, we love that movie, right? The guys are prisoners of war and they tunnel out. I taught my wife into watching that movie once. I didn't tell her how it ends. It's like a 60-year-old movie, so no spoilers here. If you haven't seen it, it's on you at this point. I taught my wife into watching that movie once, and you guys know how it ends, right? Like 50 people escape, and only about two of them really make it out. Everybody else gets recaptured or killed. At the end of that movie, my wife looked at me and said, that was an awful movie. I said, well, baby, the language was okay. It wasn't any nudity, anything like that. She said, no, the ending is horrible. Because we all like the happy ending, don't we? But the fact of the matter is when we walk with Christ, we're not always on this earth promised there will be a happy ending. We're not always promised that there will be this miraculous deliverance at the last minute. The history of the Christian church is full of people who laid their lives down for Christ. It's full of people from the very earliest days of the church. From the day that Jesus knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, 
Lord, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done all through history. All of the disciples, with the exception of one, were martyred. They were killed for their faith. Throughout Christian history, people died for their faith. There was no deliverance. They said, we won't bow and we won't bend, and the deliverance never came. But here's the thing I want you to hear this morning. We can't follow Jesus in order to get something. Because see, that's not a relationship. That's a transaction. That's when I go to Walmart to buy a giant bag of gummy bears and I give them $5 and I get my gummy bears. That's a transaction. I give you something to get something. That's not a relationship. Christ calls us to a relationship. So if you're following God because you think it's going to get you a new car, you're following God because you think everything's going to work out great, or you're following God because you think, hey, I'm going to get delivered from the difficult situations of life, that's not how it works. These three young men understood that. They said, our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we will still obey him. We still will not bend and we will not break. I promise you it would get more encouraging and it does here. Because here's my fourth point this morning. The attacks will come. Obedience is required. Deliverance is never promised. But here's the greatest news of all. God's presence is guaranteed. Okay? The deliverance may not come, but God's presence is guaranteed. When did they see the presence of God in this story? Was it when they were told to bow? Was it when the 90-foot statue is lifted up? Was it when the music plays? Was it when they were confronted by the king? When does Nebuchadnezzar see the Son of God? It's after he dumps them in the fire. And all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar looks and he says, starts to scratch his head and he says, I could have sworn we threw three guys in there. And there's a fourth one. And he looks like the Son of God. And see, this is the truth for us in the Christian life, is we're not promised everything will work out. We're not promised everything will be perfect here on this earth. We're given the assurance of a home in heaven with God forever. The greatest assurance we could have. But here's the thing we're promised on this earth. When we go through the attacks and the fiery furnaces, and the trials and the tribulations of life, God is with us. Jesus Christ didn't wake up on Friday morning and go, oh my goodness, there's no toilet paper in Georgia. What have I done? I have dropped the ball on this one. Jesus is not shocked by your circumstance. When you went through a trial this week, at your job, or you went through a trial this week in your family, or you're under attack in some area of your life, God is not shocked at that. He's not in heaven wringing his hands going, oh my goodness, Miss Betty is just in trouble and I just don't know what we're going to do. He is there with you. His presence is guaranteed. And, and I'm so thankful that in the book of Daniel, we have this picture that it doesn't just end with Nebuchadnezzar saying, oh wait, there are four men, there are four people in the fire. They're walking around. The, the ropes that had been used to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they burned off. And they are just walking around this fire, communing with the Son of God. That's a powerful picture to me. 
It's a powerful picture to me that in the moments of trial in our life are usually the times that God is the closest to us. Because we all love the easy moments. Listen, I do. I love when life is easy. I love when everything is just going along great and everything's working out. Those are great moments. But do you know what my tendency is? And I'll just speak for myself, and you may be like me this morning. You know what my tendency is when life is going easy? Is to think I'm so proud of myself. I just did a good job today. Oh, my goodness. I'm such a good husband and daddy. Oh, I'm just, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good at life, right? Now, knowing everything I have is given by the Lord, right? But see, I kind of forget that. When I'm, I'm tooling down the road and I got the sunroof open and I got the music blaring, I'm not just going, oh, praise Jesus. I'm dependent on you for everything, right? I'm tooling down the road doing that. And I'm going, man, I'm pretty good. I got it together. Things are nice. When do I, when do I, again, I don't want to put this on anybody but me, but I have a feeling we're probably all alike in this. When do I run and fall on my knees and cry out to the Lord? It's when the trials come. When do I say, Lord, I, I need you. Lord, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this moment. Lord, I don't know how we're going to get through this next week. Lord, I don't know how we're going to survive this loss that we've suffered. Lord, I need you. It's not in the moments before the fire. It's in the midst of it. They're going to come. Listen, the longer you live on this earth, the more sure you can be of that. The attacks, the trials, the struggles are going to come. And just because they come, it doesn't let us off the hook for obeying the Lord. We're still called to follow Jesus. We're still called to live a life that imitates Christ. As much as we might want to have those moments, we don't. And deliverance isn't guaranteed. We're not guaranteed that the bad times will just miraculously end just because we prayed a prayer. We're not guaranteed that everything will work out on this earth. But the one thing that we can hold to as we go through a time of national struggle and trial, as we go through the daily personal trials and struggles is this. The presence of God is guaranteed. Yep. It's guaranteed when the sun is shining and things are great. It's guaranteed when the rain is falling like every other day here in Georgia. But it's guaranteed when the rains of trials are coming and we're struggling. It's guaranteed that God is going to be with us. And generally the times we grow closest to him are those moments. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.